Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. We have all sorts of problems. The minute I turn that microphone on. Welcome back to the world-famous Cheeky Jaguar Radio Program. One minute after the hour, we are going to call uh, Brendan McDonald from uh, the WTF podcast. He's the producer of the Mark Marin uh, podcast. So we're going to go to that here in a few seconds. Call him on the old Skype Rooney here. Which Skype is better audio, by the way, folks. That's why we're calling him via Skype instead of our phone. Brendan, how are you, sir? Hi, good. How are you? Pretty good, actually. See? See that audio? It's so much better than that crappy telephone. Um, <laughs> How's everything going there in Kentucky? Pretty good, actually. Pretty good, actually. Uh, we've got Brendan McDonald with us today here in our broadcast. He joins us live on Skype, and uh, we are going to talk a little bit about uh, the the work that he does with Mark Marin. We'll also talk a little radio and some other things. Um, Brendan, how did you get started in... Uh, I guess in the producing business, the audio content production business, if you want to call it that. Yeah, well, I was I was always involved in radio ever since I was in college. A uh, good radio station at my college, and uh, and stuck with it. Um, basically, my entire professional career has been producing audio. Um, so, it, when I first started working with Mark Marin uh, at uh, Air America in about two thousand four. We just kind of really hit it off well, and it, it, it was a good working relationship. And that just kind of took us through several different projects, which led up to uh, the WTF in the creation of that in 2009, I want to say it was. Yes, 2009. Now, getting in with Air America, uh, that seemed like it had so much promise. Uh, we had David Pakman on our show last week, and he was telling us that he's talked to several former executives and different people over there. And and he said it's not so much the money situation; it was an organizational problem. Is that what you you saw on your end, being a producer and wor- working there, or was it pretty much an organizational situation and not so much content? Because they had a a, a lot of great content and a lot of great hosts. I think the organizational problem stemmed from the money problem, though. I mean, the bottom line is. The, the, the entire enterprise was launched on the basis of a lie, right? There were these, um, these so-called money marks who, who uh, turned out to actually have uh, uh, criminal uh, undoing to their careers. I mean, that's documented that the, the, uh, the, the main person who uh, fronted the money uh, to launch Air America uh, was, was a fraud. Um, and that was discovered fairly quickly into the process of, uh, of, of working there and, and the company operating, but I don't think they ever fully recovered from it. And I think a lot of the managerial and organizational problems uh, stemmed from putting Band-Aids on that, that you know, just gushing wound uh, when it happened. I mean, we were two weeks in, and um, because of lack of funding, the um, stations in Chicago, and I'm forgetting where the other, maybe it was L.A., was another major market station were yanked off the air. So, uh, and it was just because of inability to to pay for them. 
So um, I, I think that the that the the entire enterprise was in a hole. Uh, the basically when it started, and it, it never really got back on track. So basically, Air America is is a was a was a smaller version of what uh, the entire radio industry is in 2016. <laughs> <Essentially>. <laughs> yeah, I think we're heading there. Right, exactly. Now uh, we've got a great guest with us today. Brendan McDonald joins us. He is the uh, producer of the WTF podcast with Mark Marin, and uh, he's also with us today to talk about radio and and where it's headed and everything else. And uh, this this interview is commercial free via AMFM twenty four seven dot com. And uh, we've got Brendan with us today here on our broadcast. Now um, going from from Air America and seeing all the different things that happened over there, um, what what did you do after Air America? Did you just net gravitate to another to another radio outfit, or at, kind of fill in the gap between Air America and what you're doing now? Well, that's funny. There really was no gap um, because the day that uh, Air America said they weren't going to renew our contracts, uh, we were on a one year contract uh, doing a live video program for them. Um, the day they said they weren't going to renew it, Mark and I said, well, why don't we just do this on our own? We would do it as a podcast. Um, I was a big podcast fan at that time, uh, and, and Mark, was, Mark was familiar enough with the medium because other comedians were doing them. He was being invited onto podcasts, and uh, it just made sense for us to just do it on our own. Um, so it was literally like the day of, we said, okay, we're not doing this anymore for them. Uh, let's do it for us. And... Um, we both kept up other activities in the meantime, and Mark was uh, re-engaging fully with his stand-up comedy, and uh, I was working at uh, Sirius uh, XM um, as a full-time job, but the podcast was where our, both of our uh, you know, kind of passion and attention were at the time. Brendan McDonald joins us today here in our broadcast, and uh, what, 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 did, what did you do over there at the, at the satellite outfit? I was producing shows. I produced shows for uh, produced for a, a guy by the name of Ron Silver. Uh, produced uh, Rosie O'Donnell's show, um, and you know, just kind of had been called upon uh, several times uh, in you know period from about 2006 to 2010 uh, to come over there and work on shows that they had that they were getting off the ground. Um, if I if I if, if podcasting was never a thing, and if the radio industry were able to um, maintain its um, you know structure yeah. and and have you know have been a, a successful uh, industry to work in, I, I probably would have stayed on as a kind of producer for hire uh, and and worked you know in many different formats, just trying just trying my hand at different shows at different talent. Uh, I, I found that I really liked doing that, and so. Uh, I could I could see an alternate reality where that was kind of my uh, that was that was my my day to day. Well, getting into the world of podcasting, uh, that 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 is one thing that that has been a um, a strange deal over the last several years. Because when I when I got in when I went in from radio to internet radio, everybody and their brother had an internet radio station, and then all of a sudden right. podcasting came along and smoked everybody and internet radio is starting to build itself back up and we we have our show on 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 a lot of different am fm stations and we're syndicated and we basically are doing a hybrid of both podcasting internet radio regular radio or terrestrial radio whatever you want to call it um 
why do you think that that podcasting did that? Was it because of the on-demand situation? Was it kind of like a TiVo was for television, where where people were like, "Well, I don't have to have appointment viewing anymore. I can just record it and watch it later." Is that what podcasting did for the radio industry? Uh, I mean, obviously, I think you're you know you've you've got your benefits to on-demand listening, and as that's kind of increased as a desirable. Um, format for for people to get all kinds of products. Uh, it, it makes sense that you know, in a in a smartphone culture, people are pressing a button and and hearing the shows they want to hear when they want to hear them. Um, I still remain as as you know as thrilled as I've been with how the show has gone and you know our trajectory is kind of just for Mark and myself has succeeded beyond what we ever uh, anticipated. Um, I still remain a pretty, you know, thorough um, realist in terms of what our reach is and what the podcast uh, uh, universe is at this point and what yeah. the ceiling uh, kind of remains. I, it doesn't go by, you know, my field of vision any given day that our most successful episodes, you know, are, are usually not downloaded as many times as our what was considered to be failed uh, morning show <laughs> on Air America was heard around the country. Um, And, you know, that was considered to be a low-rated show, and yet with national syndication still had, you know, a few million listeners. So, um, you know, I I, I try to hold off on the kind of, um, you know, death pronouncements of of terrestrial radio. Um, Not that I think there's a ton of great stuff going on and being um, generated on the kind of corporate radio level, but it, it is still something that people have in their cars. It is still something that, People turn on in their kitchen. Uh, you know, it is still something that, that happens to be on in, you know, workplaces and in stores. And uh, it's going to continue to make money for, you know, a, a national conglomerates as long as they, you know, uh, kind of have cheap programming that they can throw on there. Yeah. Well, I, I notice also with, with radio, a lot a lot of folks are, are you know, from, from Tom Likas to, to the like, they're, they're, they're preaching the death of radio. And, and on several occasions, you know, I've, I've kind of got caught up in that. But the, the thing that a lot of people don't understand, which I, which I think you understand, and just from the way that you're, you're talking here, you completely understand this, and that is that, you know, local radio has its purposes. There's, uh, there are radio stations in, in small towns that make a crap ton of money selling uh, sports advertising. They do, they do local, right. local sports. You've got weather. The minute that a tornado hits or a hurricane or something, people immediately go, oh, my God, i got to turn on the radio. And I don't really think that it's ever going to completely go away. Now, I think the guys like Rush Limbaugh and Savage and Beck and these guys, I, I think that at some point when the contracts are up, especially with Rush, especially since his is up this year, uh, I really think they're going to have to have a, a backup plan. And some of them I don't think do. Like, uh, I was amazed the other day. Uh, Tom Likas and Bubba the Love Sponge and these guys always preach, go out and own your own domain. Or like with what you guys have, Mark has ownership of his domains and, right. and, and all these things. Rush Limbaugh doesn't have ownership of RushLimbaugh.com. It's owned by Premier Radio. So if they decide to dump him or give him an offer he doesn't want, What's he gonna do? I know, I know. Obviously, he he'd be able to figure it out. But I mean, RushLimbaugh.com is his website. Uh, what's he gonna do? Wake up tomorrow and be RushLimbaugh.info? 
<laughs> yeah. Well, I, I, I have a feeling that these, you know, um, existing institutions, you know, and I would include him as an institution, yeah. uh, are, are willing to ride out whatever they need to ride out until it no longer uh, pays the dividends that it has. And I don't see a lot of desire on the part of whether it's one person or a, a personality-driven business like Rush or, or yeah. The Blaze yeah. uh, or a larger company. I don't see a big uh, impetus on their behalf to um, try to reinvent the wheel. And, uh, you know, I, 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 see, I think you're going to start seeing a lot of riding off into the sunset, um, yeah. which, you know, it also kind of points to the fact that you're not getting – a, a steady stream anymore, an influx of talent into that industry, um, both you know on the mic and behind the mics and behind yes. the control board. Which you know is what I where that's where I think something like podcasting and internet radio have been huge beneficiaries. That they uh, have become these places and these uh, enclaves for talented people uh, to do work that they really haven't probably done in fifteen twenty years. Yes. Uh, so, you know, that's, that's where I feel the, like the real change has happened. And, you know, I can see it in lots of places that thought like they had the market cornered on being the only place in town where anyone with a background in uh, radio journalism or uh, broadcast editing, would, uh, you know, that would be the place where they had to go. And that's not true anymore. You have people being able to make a comfortable living out of their house. Um, and and that's where the competition and the the, the real change is coming in, uh, in terms of where the talented people are going to wind up going. We've got Brendan McDonald with us today. He joins us live. He is the producer of WTF, the uh, Mark Maron podcast. He also worked for Air America for a number of years and uh, did some work in the satellite world. Uh, you bring up the fact that a lot of these folks are you, you're you're starting to see some of them possibly right off into the sunset. Um, I look at that with the Howard Stern deal that he just signed. He he's leasing his. He's only going to be on the air for like four or five years, but he's leasing his content and his name to Sirius for the next twenty years. He signed like some you know legacy contract essentially. Right. Is that pretty much what it is? Where he realizes, okay, I'm only going to do this for four or five years, but my content can be used forever. So why don't we do an app? Why don't we do video on demand? Why, why, why don't we do all these things? Is, is that where some of these people need to start think? Like, like he's basically thinking with, with a lot of this? Or where do you come down on that, Brendan? Yeah, I think, I, I mean, I think that he's doing that. It's also the comfortability of already being within, um, you know, a company that has the infrastructure for him to do that. Uh, you know, he, Howard is, uh, has been doing this a long time. And so I don't think that he has any desire to, uh, you know, mount his own uh, operation from the ground up and, uh, you know, lose millions of dollars the first several years. Yes. Uh, so to me, it makes sense just in the perspective of, of like, you know, if, 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 they're, if the chips are already in place, then why don't you just play them there where they are? Um, you know, would, it, would, that make, would that be a, a, you know, similar blueprint that somebody uh, like Rush would follow or, uh, or Michael Savage? I, you know, yeah. I, I mean, sure, if they're... If the, if their feeling is they just want to take that payday and they 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 kind of feel that they're done um, with the with the elbow grease part of the business that that that, that has had to um, that they you know, would need to rely on if they're kind of starting their own operation where they um, you know sell their their uh, history sell their legacy as you're saying yeah um, it, it takes a lot of work I mean I can tell you from our perspective you know 
it, it really took, I would say, till about 2013 until the podcast was in a position where both Mark and I said, okay, we're, we're comfortable with this now, like in the, in terms of income and how it's generating and, and, and regenerating. And are we able to do this in the future? Yeah. Um, but for the first four years or so, that was a question mark every day. And it was nothing we were going to ever take for granted. You know, we, we knew that at any time it could have all probably dried up and gone away. And that experiment, that little, little experiment was over. So um, I, I think everybody who gets, on board is facing that right now. There, there's no, there's no direct route, um, and there's no massive benefactor out there that's bankrolling, um, you know, the podcast industry. So, um, I, you know, it's it's there's there's going to be a lot of uh, trial and error, and if the big dogs want to try that stuff, you know, I, I think it would be great, but I, I have my skepticism that they're going to want to or going to care enough to do so. We've got Brendan McDonald with us today. He joins us live here on Skype at 17 minutes after the hour. Now, wh- what do you make of Podcast One and some of the things that, that Norm is trying over there? Because he's he started to get into um, on-demand, uh, commercial-free stuff where you can pay an extra uh, couple bucks and you can get a commercial-free Adam Carolla interview or, or things of that nature. Um, I hear a lot of rumors back and forth from various sources about, well, Podcast One's not making any money. But I, I look at it as if they're not making any money, why do they keep signing people and why are people still there? So w- w- what do you make of that model? Because you guys, that, that's the one thing I like about what you guys do and what Lycus and some of these guys do, is that it's just them. They're, you're not going out and trying to spawn this network to it, go grab all the former Air America people, for instance, and give them a show. So some of them obviously are not are busy other places. <laughs> but, right, right. But, Senate, yeah. you, you know, you, you guys aren't trying to design a network and, and trying to do all these things, whereas that's what Podcast One, from what I can tell, is. They're, they're trying right. to be a network. Right. Well, and I don't... I, I, let me just say right off the bat, I have no idea what their finances are. I, yeah. I, don't, I don't even really know... Uh, you know what the um, what the business model actually is. See, um, this aside, is the thing. I, <laughs> right. I mean, fun. aside from selling advertising, which yeah. is what we do as well. Um, yeah. But uh, you know, look, Norm is a guy uh, who you know has had tremendous success in the radio industry, and yep. I assume a lot of the activity going on at Podcast One is based around uh, his kind of existing paradigm that you know. Get, built Westwood one. And, yeah. uh, you know, I'm not going to be a person who does this on my own, you know, who does this, uh, you know, from a, you know, generally experimental level, even though, you know, we have come to run a business Mark and I, it was all yeah. through, you know, kind of guesswork. Uh, you know, I'm not going to start to guess second guess Norm Pattis and his, his, uh, <laughs> operations, yeah. but you know, if there's anything that's not, you know, uh, panning out the way that, um, you know, he, he would have anticipated. I think that might have to do with just the fact that it is not uh, a radio, um, it's, not, it's not a model that matches up one-to-one with how radio can generate income and, um, and, and regenerate for itself. I think that, you know, the, the, the main thing about podcasting is not about uh, reach or... Um, you know, I know there's this idea that like there's got to be bigger and better advertisers. And you know, once you can get yes. the car companies on board and you can get the cola companies on board, <laughs> yes. you know, that's when you're going to start churning it out. And it's like, well, actually, 
you have a very, very engaged audience. Uh, whatever podcast that you have, whether it's a podcast you know that that does very well with hundreds of thousands of downloads, yes. or whether it's one with you know maybe a couple hundred downloads, there's an audience out there that has made that choice. They're not passive listeners, and so they can be sold directly. You know something that is within their range of interest. Uh, they're not all in the market for a car. Uh, and the the idea of super saturating the airwaves with you know car commercials uh, works for radio, uh, particularly when people are driving cars and, and yes. hear those messages and that information. But it's not necessarily going to work for the guy who you know uh, has loaded up you know a, 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 a slate of hardcore history podcasts and wants to just you know <laughs> play them while he's at his eight hour workday. Yes. So um, I you know I think if there are if there are problems or roadblocks that anyone not just podcast one but anyone trying to make a go at this from a business model are facing i think it's because it's not going to line up with what the old models were that is fantastic that 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 is that is the best explanation to that question (laughs) that i have had on this show and we've asked that to a lot of people either in the podcasting or radio industry that is that is fantastic. Bravo, Brendan. Well, thanks. Uh, it's good. I'm glad that my, my many, many hours spent doing nothing but thinking about this silly stuff actually paid off. <laughs> Brendan McDonald with us today. He joins us live here on our broadcast. He's the producer of De- What the Fuck, basically, WTF, the uh, the, the podcast that Mark Marin hosts. Now, um, go, going let, let, let's start talking about this because th- this – you know, a lot of people, I'm sure, would would get you on their shows and geek out over Mark Marin, or as you said earlier, uh, with with money, Mark. I love that line, uh, marking out. If we want to use a professional wrestling term, yeah. um, I am I am interested in the behind the scenes of this. I'm interested in the in the boring part of it of the equipment installations and the studio redos and all those things. Um, I, I noticed just from looking at various photos. Uh, from from various guests that he's had on, and and even even the stuff with like with President Obama, um, what was this? Take take me through the studio installations. How many times have you guys redone that studio? Because I know just doing uh, my home studio and getting it ready to go and being able to send our show out to various networks and things, it took. A, a lot of different installs. I went from having you know cables everywhere to now we're all wireless to uh, sure. to, to, to various things. Adding lights when we do our Skype interviews or we do our in studio stuff with bands or, or what have you. Right. Uh, what what was the what was the studio installation like? Because when when you guys left Air America. I'm sure you probably just didn't go, oh, hey, we've got all this equipment laying around. We might as well just put it in the garage, put it together. Yeah. No, it was it was it wasn't that way. It wasn't that easy, but it was also not. I mean, we it was not too complicated. We had some help from you know uh, uh, friendlies who were also doing the same stuff. Uh, uh, yeah. Jesse Thorne, who does a podcast that's now called Bullseye, he was podcasting at the time, and you know Mark asked him for just you know kind of equipment advice. Uh, you know, what are the best mics? What mics do you like? That kind of thing. Yeah, and it, it was a, a relatively. Um, uh, simple setup at the beginning that was kind of not intended to be for anything other than a place where Mark and, you know, comedian friends could come over and talk. Like he wasn't yep. ever anticipating, yep. you know, hosting the president in there, uh, you know, 
beyond that, he wasn't ever ho- anticipating hosting, you know, Ben Stiller or anybody that with too. any kind of renown. Yeah. So it was basically like a work table um, that you would find in like a tool shed that yeah. we had a, you know, analog Mackie mixer and he could just hook his computer right up to the outputs on that. Uh, two good mics that we bought right away, which, you know, that was probably the biggest thing that we just made sure we spent the money on good mics and uh, and yeah, it wasn't much I've noticed, more. I've noticed the various mic changes and some of the different pictures I've seen. Yeah, uh, right. Over, well, we you know we kind of every every time like we see a, a new one that's similar to uh, the ones we've used, we we try to you know do a little upgrade. We, we really like the Shure mics, but I don't want to yes, like yes, go those, completely well, no, into gear talk. No. Th- those things are fantastic. I've seen yeah. I've seen more people use those. I remember Beck used to have them in his studio when he was in New York and. And uh, there, there's various radio stations here locally that I've talked to and, and went on tours of their different stations. And, and they just love the crap out of those sure mics. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, and I would tell you, once we did that um, initial setup, which was really not that complicated, I mean, it's just been it's been like any time you'd like build a house. You, you just slowly add to it and make you know incremental changes. There's never really been any time where we've overhauled anything. It's just been uh, a pretty steady process of kind of refining it throughout um but i mean the show pretty much sounds the same as it did the first time we did it and that that has a lot to do with the fact that you know we're really the the thing we're relying mostly on is good mics and then audio editing software that you can do pretty much any kind of compression to that you know helps you out and um if we were doing a show like yours it'd be a lot different right if it was uh, if we're taking calls and doing a live stream yeah. Uh, I think we'd pay a lot more attention to the um, the, the fact that there's uh, you know extraneous noise coming through that garage all the time and yes. things that I can uh, reduce uh, in in post production that I wouldn't be able to live. Now with the uh, with, with with the producing part of this and and you know everybody that that knows a little bit about radio knows that. You know, for for someone like Mark or or Beck or Limbaugh or whoever comes in and does does their show, they think it's just sit down, crack open a mic, and let's go. <laughs> but most right. radio people know that it takes a lot of people behind the scenes. It takes those people that are behind the scenes. They're working their butt off. What does it take to produce this show? Because it's a podcast, but at the same time. You guys have got, you know, like you were saying, you know, Ben Stiller coming through, President Obama, people like that. What, 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 what is the behind the scenes to, 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 from a producer standpoint, to put this, to put something together? Well, I mean, the the interesting thing, I, I, you know, I'm totally in agreement with what you say about it takes a lot of people to get, uh, you know, a show off the ground, and yeah. and I, you know, I think coming from a background in radio, you know, both Mark and I working in radio, we're able to synthesize that stuff, appreciate it. And, you know, we both can basically do all the roles that are required of a, a, a radio production uh, on our own uh, at this point. Now, part of that is the fact that we do only two shows a week. Um, yeah. You know, it's not a five, it's not five days a week anymore. Yeah. And, and part of it is that we're in different locations. I, I don't know if you're aware of that, but I'm, I'm in New York, he's in LA and we're very rarely in the same space base oh, so wow. that's, um, that's pretty cool that you're able to yeah because i honestly did not know that 
That is amazing. Yeah, no, it's it's not anything that we kind of advertise. But yeah. my feeling is, I want the show to, I want the show to be this kind of holistic experience out of Mark's garage. Like, I don't want yeah. this idea that you know he's got a whole team in place and that it, there is something about the appeal uh, of the show that is still related to it. This it having this kind of Wayne's World feel to it, yeah. um, and uh, you know the sense that this is this guy does this show out of his garage and 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 somehow yeah. it's you know transmitted to millions of people yeah. so uh the <laughs> the um the, the feeling that, that we have is just you know keep 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 production uh simple you know we don't uh, ever feel that we're overextending ourselves on that level and and then we both can kind of handle our own sides of the street you know he's there live he has a, mark has an assistant um, that you know helps him out with lots of stuff, but on particular on days where there's interviews, you know, assist, assistant can help him with uh, the logistics of a guest arriving and and everything. And um, we use a booking service to help us with, I would say, about fifty percent of the guests we get. Although he still gets quite a number of guests on his own, you know, just well, seeing see, people at clubs and yeah, that's, you know, that's what I was wondering was because I, you know, and and like you said, the the, the dirty little secret for radio <laughs> is there's there's booking service. There's there there's guest booking services here and there, but um, to to get some of the different people, do do you guys have basically people that'll reach out to you guys and say, hey, I heard you know President Obama's on your show, I want to be on your show, and then do you have to go through a process? Are you having to turn you know people down and be like, we just don't have the room for these people? Oh well, you're definitely. Only doing I mean, two there episodes is- a week. Yeah, there is a volume thing. I mean, you can only have uh, 104 guests a year, you know. Yeah. Uh, and uh, so, yes, definitely. And we get backlogged quite often. Um, you know, we've, we've had for the last, you know, several uh, weeks, Mark feels like he's been doing a, you know, big interview every day. So it it, uh, it definitely uh, backs up and we have to be judicious. And, you know, really our guidelines are just, you know, we, we book uh, guests that, Mark finds interesting. There's not, yeah. we don't, we don't, uh, angle for particular promotional reasons. You know, the, the, uh, a real kind of guiding principle for the show has been that it, it needs to stand as evergreen. Like we, we have a, a, a premium archive that is part of a, the, the Howell network. Yes. And, yes. Uh, you know, and that, that is a, a high value item for us. You know, we, we, we take care of it. We make sure that it's not, you know, filled with interviews that are disposable, that are, you know, um, you know, that are going to expire because of current events or because yeah. they were driven directly because of some promotion. You know, we want these, the show is a, a you know, one hour conversation about a life. It's not about, um, you know, what, what somebody's selling. Yeah. So, uh, you know, again, that's another way that we kind of whittle down our options and, and know that we're a hundred percent sure on, on the, the guests that we're booking. We've got a great guest with us today. Brendan McDonald joins us. He is the producer of the uh, WTF podcast with Mark Marin, and uh, he joins us live here on Skype talking a little bit about uh, podcasting and the behind the scenes of uh, WTF and uh, some of some of the various things going on in the radio industry. Um, why did you guys switch uh, your your schedule? Because I understand you guys used, used to do a lot more, and now you're doing two days a week. Uh, Kind of give no, me some inside details. No, that's that. actually no, it's, it's actually not. We we we've been doing two days since. The oh, day okay. Because I, I thought you guys had always. I thought you guys had done uh, three or more 
So no, um, no, we've we've always kind of felt that two was the capacity that we could deal with, especially when we started. And we were both doing other things. Uh, two felt that it'd be comfortable. It also felt like we wouldn't be um, we, we'd be providing enough to 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 keep it vital for people uh, and 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 have it as part of their routine. But it wouldn't uh, overwhelm them, you know. And we still, I mean, two, we still get plenty of people who write to the show or you know who who we see on the street and say like, "Oh man, I'm so backed up," you know. I got the you know the two a week. It really piles up. Um, and so since, since we started in 2009, we've done an episode on Monday and, uh, Thursday and we, we've never missed one. Wow. That, that is, that is fantastic. Now, what, what is the, uh, what, what is the producer part of this? Like, like for instance, when, when you guys get, uh, you know, president Obama coming on there. Uh, what, what's, what, what is, what is the producing part of that? Cause I'm sure that, you know, Mark is preparing questions and doing things, but I mean, you're having to coordinate behind the scenes, you know, getting him there and, and getting him the address. And then I'm sure secret service is coming in and doing all their, their pre, you know, checks for things. Um, that that isn't something that uh, you know booking booking the president as opposed to someone else. Uh, I'm sure there was a lot more behind the scenes with that rather than yeah. That that was a, a case where I actually guys had to come go, into the house. <laughs> right, right. That that was a case where I actually had to go out to L.A., which I, which I never do uh, for the show. Um, but I was out there for a week, just making sure that everything was 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 moving along. Um, yeah. You know, like you said, the uh, the, the the government uh, is going to do their own thing. They have a standard protocol for uh, how to how to prep for these type of media appearances. But uh, that still meant that we had to hold up quite a lot of things on our end, and and we just had a lot of strategic partners involved in that episode too. That yeah. you know, I had to manage all of those. So that that really was like the. Um, that, that, that was like the marathon that I ran, you know, once I did that one, it kind of, it's all, it, it all feels pretty um, routine and easy after that. that was, like if I could say that anything in my career was like culmination, uh, that was definitely it. Cause it just really required every single aspect of, um, you know, my professional skill set uh, to be on hand and to be uh, flawless, quite frankly. Like, there, there, was, there weren't any places where we could have afforded a lapse. Um, so, yeah, the, the, the day that, I, that we got done with that, um, I found myself driving uh, uh, alone, uh, driving back to Mark's uh, house after we had gone and done some press uh, at a nearby radio station, and I was just kind of driving by myself, and uh, I just let out this, like scream in the car uh, <laughs> not and not in any sense it wasn't like a stressful scream it was like it was almost like a victory scream but like just to myself just to kind of like release everything that i've been kind of holding in and uh and and man it just felt like i i did that for like you know 15 years worth of a career just all came rushing out at that moment yeah well, that I, I'm sure that the uh, that the week up to that uh, was now. Now, when you guys did that, did you guys tape another episode that week too, or, or was it just? Uh... Yeah, we did. Well, we taped another episode like immediately, uh, which was basically just our reaction. Ah, to okay. So the episode that aired uh, that th- you know the president episode aired on Monday, and then that yeah. Thursday uh, was kind of a behind the scenes episode 
of uh, you know Mark and I talking about the whole process. Yeah. Now, since since he's obviously he's doing the podcast out of out of his own studio in in you know in in his in his vicinity there, um, have you guys ever thought about taking it on the road and going to like the conventions or, or any of these places and and doing shows like that, or or is it mainly the whole point of it is to get him in the ambiance of his garage? Yeah, I mean we've done uh, we, we used to do a lot of live episodes at comedy clubs and. Um, you know, places around LA, sometimes here in New York, uh, you know, doing them at, at venues that normally hold small concerts and that. And he, he would do um, basically panel shows. Um, there were, you know, maybe four That's to cool. six uh, guests booked at once. And, um, you know, it didn't, it wasn't the same style as the one on one interviews that he does. Um, we just kind of lost our taste for that. It's not anything that we thought was bad. We just are, we're kind of over it. Um, but I think Mark is willing to do more live settings. Um, you know, if, if the type of one-on-one interview is right, he'll, he'll do it. Um, we've been to some of the kind of podcast, uh, conventions, although, uh, mostly in terms of Mark being invited as like a guest speaker or at a Q and a, and I think it's what he's more comfortable with in those environments. Um, the, the bottom line is, although he you know, definitely has his uh, skills at being a good interviewer and, and eliciting um, good conversation with guests, uh, the, the, the kind of secret sauce happens is made in that garage. And so uh, we never like to stray too far. That, that, I think, is, is fantastic because there, there's a lot of... Uh, a lot of podcasts that I see that that they they kind of water down their product because they'll they'll be able they can go on the road and do all these things which certain aspect of that that's pretty cool but uh, I like the idea of you guys concentrating on you know the spot you know that that that's where your studio is that's you know that's what you're doing instead of well we're gonna go here we're gonna go there we're gonna go everywhere kind of deal right right right. We've well, got, and we yeah, we also I'll just say real quick the the other thing you had brought it up before that you know we aren't like part of a network of shows and we're not you know getting other people on board with us to do you know similar shows and sell them on this kind of network model. I mean, part of that is exactly what you're saying there. It's like we want to stay in our lane and do what brought us to the dance and do what is what we know we can deliver on. And there's always this kind of pull and desire to have have and do more. And I think we can have and do more, but in the context of the show that we already do and continue to improve it. And when you know when it's time to hang up uh, the the you know the mics on that show, we will, and then we'll be on to something else. But but for now, we're 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 pretty happy to focus on it. Well, I think that's that is that is pretty awesome. We've got Brendan McDonald with us today. He joins us live. He is the producer of Mark Marin's WTF podcast. And uh, I've got a couple more questions for you before I let you go. I appreciate you making time for us today. This has been uh, very educational, and I definitely would like to have you on again, my friend. Sure. Um, with 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 this uh, possibility of. Uh, Donald Trump becoming <laughs> becoming president if that happens. Um, do, do you guys ever ever foresee uh, being able to get Trump to come do a podcast, much like you were able to get President Obama to do a podcast, or is that pretty much just a uh, you got the president and that's going to be the only president you're probably ever going to be able to chat with? 
Well, I don't know. I guess it would depend on the the respective uh, administration's uh, media strategy, as it's been pretty well documented. Uh, the the Obama administration has embraced a, a very non-conventional media strategy, and we were, you know, no doubt a part of that, uh, you know, overall philosophy of how they were going to, you know, um, um, choose media outlets. Um, uh, Donald Trump, it seems like you could, you know, uh, book him on a, uh, you know, blog talk radio spot if you wanted to. <laughs> like, I, yes. I, I don't get a sense that he is uh, entirely discriminating with his publicity tastes. So, uh, yes, uh, always probably a possibility. Uh, in fact, we were we were pitched Donald Trump. Uh, the week that the president was on the show, like it was the week of the that we aired the uh, President Obama interview, uh, we were asked if we would want to have Donald Trump on, which I think he had announced his presidential run uh, a week before uh, the, our our interview. Um, so um, you know, I, I I think would we ever have him on? I, I mean, I. The idea of Donald Trump being president is far-fetched enough for me that, you know, if he ever were the president, I wouldn't, I'd believe anything. Um, <laughs> yeah. uh, that being said, I know Mark has, you know, a very strong feeling about, uh, you know, what it would take to have politicians on the show. And, uh, you know, the, the feeling is that it needs to be in the context of the show, uh, which is it's not to you know, push some kind of, uh, promotional agenda. Uh, and, uh, you know, that was, a, that was our real, only real guideline with the interview with the president was, you know, we were happy to do it. Obviously it was a, a big moment for the show, but we weren't going to do it if it was, you know, their desire to have him come on and talk about, you know, the affordable care act and why it's good. You know, um, it, yeah. it was, it was for us, it was a chance for, uh, an interview like all the other interviews do, oh, that we do that's, uh, you know, about a life and about the work that someone does. And this life just happened to be that of Barack Obama and the work he does as president. So any politician that wants to come on the show, uh, we would do it if they're going to, um, you know, adhere to those guidelines. The problem is when, when you're running for president, that's impossible because you're so deeply programmed, you know, in terms of what you're going to say and what the agenda is. And when you're an active politician, a legislator or, or, or something of that nature, you're, you're also going to have, um, you know, a very specific agenda and things you're not willing to say. Um, so, uh, you know, I think that, that, that having the president on and speaking as candidly as he was was about as good as it's going to get for us, uh, you know, in terms of, of, of having newsmakers of that type on. But it's not anything we would ever not do. It would just have to be, um, you know, the, the show that we do. Yeah. We've got Brendan McDonald with us today. Two final questions for you, my friend. One, uh, what was the, I, I guess, hardest uh, appearance to, to produce behind the scenes f in, so far in the in the history of the program? Well, that one was definitely the, you know, that, that there's nothing that really compares to doing to that process. That process took a year. Um, yeah. and you know, that, that's, that's just not happened with any other guest. Um, most of the, when I, when, when we're talking about like difficulty, level of difficulty, most of it is, is the difficulty is in it actually in making the booking or getting, you know, getting the guest to agree to the show. And a lot of that time, a lot of that requires, you know, a kind of 
diligence and patience. Uh, like Lauren Michaels, it was just co- constant contact with them for over several years uh, to the point where he finally felt that it was the right time to do it. Um, and, and that's really where like the main difficulty comes in in uh, producing it. Otherwise, it's not that difficult once they've agreed because they're just going to show up at Mark's house and they're just going to sit in a chair and he's going to talk to them. Um, so the, uh, the, the, the prep ahead of time, um, if, you know, if, if, especially if the guest is not super familiar with the show, uh, it can take a lot of coaxing. That's pretty cool. Well, uh, at, at least, uh, at least you get the job done. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> now, uh, one final question here, and we talked when, when we had David Pakman on last week, I asked him this question, and uh, his his answer was was very different, I'm sure, than, than what yours is going to be. But I noticed that you guys, um, you have the website, you have uh, your stuff on Stitcher, you have it on uh, TuneIn, you're, you're, you're all over the place. Um, mm-hmm. Is it better to have a focused, one-spot, one-stop shop for content as far as audio content, video content, or is it better to just get your message out there? Pac-Man's attitude was, I don't care where people find the show. I just want them to find the show. However, if you look at like Tom Lycus, Lycus wants everybody to go to his website and wants everybody to find subscribe to his, his podcast site. And everything's got to be on this one-stop shop. Which which is better, having it splayed out there because you just want people to get the content, or is it well, I want to have them all in one central spot so I can keep track of all the uh, the stats and and keep everybody in one particular space. Yeah, well, I, I'm firmly in uh, the former camp there of what what you know David Pakman yeah. said that uh, you know I, my philosophy is the most possible ears that's what you want you and go. you know I'm not going to get that by um, kind of restricting the uh, flow of of the content uh, and 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 channeling everyone through one uh, outlet. Um, I, I, that probably works in some cases if a business model is is specifically contoured to um, you, you know the, having a uh, dedicated group of fans spend money on uh, the personality and their products. You know, if merch were a more um, integral part of our business plan, then you know maybe I could see that. But for us, it's not. I mean, it's a, the the largest revenue driver for us is advertising, and so we just need the most people hearing the show. Um, and quite frankly, I don't care where they're hearing it. I, I just want them to <laughs> be able name. to have it as a thing that they can reliably trust uh that they know that that is the button they press or that is the thing they bring up on their desktop or whatever and that's where the show is going to be you know i i I shouldn't say this out loud but uh, i don't even have a problem with people like pirating the show and putting it on youtube (laughs) because it's just if people are going to find it that way they're going to find it well see that's that's my thing because it, it it seems like you know and and I'm sure Mark does this. I've I've heard a few of his episodes where, where where he's done this. He mentions how to communicate with him. Twitter, Facebook. He mentions the website. He 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 does that. And it's like, as long as you're doing that, I don't care if you put it on YouTube because the people at YouTube are still going to hear me say JiggyJaguar.com. They're still going to yeah. hear me say you know the website. I they're still going to mention. They're still going to be like, oh, I found this cool thing on YouTube. I'm going to go look this guy up. So, right. 
they're still gonna go. It, 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 it but at the same time, uh, I, you know, I, I, I like the idea of, of having the, having the content all over the place. So that's, that, that, that's pretty cool. Well, Brendan, I appreciate you making time for us today. I appreciate the, uh, the time you've spent with us and, uh, I will be in touch, my friend. Thanks for being with us today. Yeah, thanks. That was great. I really appreciate it. Definitely. Well, I'll be in touch. Have yourself a wonderful rest of the week, Brendan. Appreciate it. Okay. My you too, James. Bye bye. Thank you, man. Brendan McDonald today via Skype. Check out WTF online and uh, Mark Marin. Also, Brendan McDonald, the producer. Fantastic, fantastic conversation. We are going to take a brief timeout. And when we come back, we will have more here on our world-famous Cheeky Check While You Show back here in a few moments. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.